this evening, I just want to continue on with the series that, uh, that the SIB has uh, started in 2019, and that is preaching from uh, the book of Matthew, all right, the book of Matthew. And I want to talk to you about the correlation of faith and healing, taking from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 14 to 20, all right? Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 20. This is an incident of Jesus healing a demon-possessed boy. But prior to this incident, we have an event called the Mount Transfiguration Experience. And this one, uh, Brother Wyan will be uh, talking to uh, the third service people, all right? So he will be uh, explaining more. Uh, from chapter 17, verses 1 uh, to verse 13 in the third service. So I have decided to talk on this uh, particular uh, passage on Jesus healing the demon-possessed boy. But I want to entitle my message as Correlation of Faith and Healing. How do we relate faith and healing? A very important subject. Because I believe with all of my heart, it is the desire of the church to make healing part and parcel of the normalcy of church. Can I hear amen? amen? You want to see healing as part of a normal activity that all of us will go through. That every individual who is not well, who walks into the house of the Lord, will walk away completely touched and made whole. And it may come in the form of instantaneous. It may come in the form of progressive. That means to say, you know, every visit that you go to the doctor, the report comes back better and better and better until one day you are totally declared you are okay. You are completely all right. All right? So here is this passage of Scripture. I want to uh, bring to you, you know, uh, some important truth that we want to learn from it and also to cultivate uh, a culture of expectancy that we will come not as spectators but come with full of expectancy that God will touch, full of anticipation God will move and that would create enthusiasm and excitement in our life coming to church. So church will not be church anymore, but rather coming to experience the power of God at work. So like what I said earlier on, this incident happened right after the transfiguration. And it is believed that the transfiguration took place on a Mount, Mount Hermon, now Herman, and we are told in uh, beginning in chapter one of uh, sorry, chapter seventeen of verse one, that Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, all brothers, all three of them from the same family, to go up into the mountain, and it was there at the mountain that Jesus met with Moses and Elijah. So much so that there was such an experience, such an encounter, such. Uh, that the Shekinah glory of God was revealed at that place. The glory of God was covering the entire mountain until the disciples were discussing among themselves, shall we build three shelters? Shall we build three habitations for, you know, for, uh, 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 for Jesus, for Moses, for Elijah to stay there? You know? 
But nevertheless, it did not happen. And so Jesus came back down. And right after he came down the mountain, that he met this man, all right? Uh, met this man uh, that informed him that he has a son that was demon-possessed. I'm going to read with you from chapter 17, verses to 20. I've not put it on the, uh, on, the, on the screen. It's because I always believe in any church that I, that I preach, I never prepare the scripture to put on the slides because I want the people to read from the word, whether it be a hard copy or whether it be electronic. So that's, that's my uh, habit of wanting the people to follow along the scriptures. All right, so uh, I'm going to read from the New uh, Living Translation, and can you please follow along? At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Let us pray. Our Father, I want to thank you, dear Lord, for faith that is found in the house. I thank you, dear Lord, that even as we lift up the name of Jesus through, this, through the time of praise and worship, Lord, we know that you have ignited faith in our midst, dear Lord. And I ask in the name of Jesus, dear Lord, that you will breathe life into these precious words. Because, dear Lord, the word of God declares that the letter kills, but it is the spirit that gives life. And so, Lord, let this word come alive even as I bring forth these wonderful scriptures to us. And I ask you, Lord, that you will bring and subject every wandering thoughts to the obedience of Christ. For I ask and I pray this now in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Amen. There are a few very important facts that we can learn from this man as he approached Jesus to get help for his son. Firstly, the man came and he knelt before Jesus. He demonstrated he had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where did this faith come from? This faith came from a second-hand source. He must have heard about all that Jesus has done. Now notice, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That is the first source of faith. But faith can also come through a second source, a second medium, a second way. And that is listening to what 
others have experience of Jesus. And some of us here who are sitting in this uh, uh, sanctuary here this very evening, we came to know Jesus through the second source. We heard about what our neighbours believed in. We heard about what our friends believed in. And we trusted what we heard. And of course, we tested it a little bit further. We came to church. And as a result, we heard the Word of God for ourselves. And faith arose in our hearts. The Bible declares to us also in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen because it gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. You see, what we often hear, particularly about Jesus, oftentimes gives us hope. And hope is a very important element for us to experience God. If someone gives you hope that your situation that you're going through right now, that you're experiencing right now, can change if you will have faith in God, that gives you hope, that gives you strength, that gives you encouragement to trust Him further. So basically, faith is received into your heart because you trust what you heard you trust what you see and you further believed. But trust can be cemented further. Trust can be cemented when we have a personal encounter, when we have a personal relationship. I trust my wife because for these past 38 years, we have a relationship. We communicate, and as a result, we grow that relationship. That's how trust is built. Through years, through trials, through tears, through joy, through laughter. Trust is built in such a way. Likewise, in the same manner, our trust in God, which ultimately cements our faith to the person of Jesus Christ, gives us great hope that the one that we are trusting will not fail us. I hope the Holy Spirit is now breathing life into the words that you're hearing. Because at the end of the day, it is not your trust in what you have heard, but it is your trust in what you experience yourself that will ultimately release miracles in your life. Hello, can I hear amen? Ultimately, all of us must experience God ourselves if we want to see a miracle, if we expect to see the impossible coming to pass, if we expect to see the impossible experienced by us ourselves. Peter was that person. When Peter saw Jesus walking in the water, because of the relationship that he had with Jesus, the three and a half years of mingling with Jesus, he asked Jesus, will you allow me to walk on the water? 
he trusted Jesus. And Jesus only uttered one word. Jesus says what? Come. Come. And Peter stepped out of the comfort zone, the boat, and he walked on the water. But his trust in Jesus was distracted by the waves, by the storm that was around him. And as a result, he began to sink. And Jesus had to reach out his hands to him and to save him. So sometimes our trust can be eroded by distractions that are around about us, by situations that are beyond our control. But if we will continue to hold on firmly to the Lord, we will see this trust bringing us to the next level of seeing the impossible becoming possible. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us the source, the very first-hand source of our faith. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, I like this translation. The New Living Translation is really nice. He described Jesus, the writer of Hebrews described Jesus as the champion. Wow! Hallelujah! Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. In other words, faith is something that can help us to mature. Faith is a process where can we, can, we can move from A to B and B to C. There is maturity in the development of faith in our lives. And I can describe this as what we call the lifespan of a human being. All of us are born as babies. And as babies, you know, as infants, we grow. And we begin to grow. From age zero, we will grow to reach age two. That's where, you know, most uh, child psychologists or sci- uh, would say that we reach the toddler stage and so on and so forth. We will reach the toddler stage, we will reach the adolescent age, puberty age, we will reach the uh, 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 teenage age, we will reach the young adult age, we will reach the full adult age. Process. Faith is a process. We begin with a simple trust, but we can end with full belief where we can say deep in our heart, I know there is a living God because I have experienced Him. And that's the reason why we encourage you to always share your testimony with people. You may not be able to fully, you know, memorize the scripture and, you know, make references here and there, but people will always believe your changed life. Can I hear amen? People will always believe and they will be unable to challenge the transformation that has taken place in your life. Because you have an encounter with Jesus. You have an encounter with Jesus. So praise be to God that Jesus 
is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He matures our faith. Jesus matures the faith that is ignited by a simple trust at its starting point. At its starting point. Praise the Lord. And uh, the Bible continues to tell us, you know, in verse 17, all right, you know, we, we, we know that this man came now before Jesus and he called upon Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. My son is being, you know, is experienced Jesus and terrible, uh, 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 suffers terribly, you know. He falls into the fire. He falls into the water. I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do it. Jesus in verse 17 says, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. My second point is this. Being in the right environment, in a conducive atmosphere, represented by ignited faith, releases the working of miracles. My question to you is this. When Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, was he making reference to the disciples or to the people? Was he addressing the disciples or the people? My answer, both. He was saying to both the disciples as well as the people. You know why? Because he says, you faithless people. He's referring to the people that has zero faith. Hello? Are you getting it? Zero faith. People who are there who will be critical whether they see a miracle or not. There are people in the midst of any atmosphere that will be critical. Even if you raise the dead in front of their eyes, they will still remain critical. Do you know we have such people in our midst? Even you raise the dead, they will still be critical. These are people that are resigned to be lifetime critics. <laughs> yeah? So Jesus was referring both to the people that were present there, as well as to his disciples. You faithless and... What did the New Living Translation say? You faithless and corrupt people. Some translation says perverse people. All right, corrupt people. That means to say that there are people, you know, that do not have right, good attitude in their hearts. Good attitude. They don't have good attitudes. They are just there to look for mistakes to look for uh, 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 means and ways to criticize, to tear down, to say no good things. Being in the right environment is very, very important. All right? I don't know about you, for a moment ago when Daniel was leading us in song, you know, for a moment, you know, I, I felt a surge of faith in the house. I felt a surge of hope in the house. I felt a surge of the presence of God in the house. It was like uh, electricity that was so powerful. Because why? All of us were in this atmosphere 
and an environment of ignited faith. And we need to always be in this environment where our faith can be ignited. Because you know why? Monday to Friday, you are in an environment where it is totally in opposition to your faith. Is it true? People that are wicked, people that are corrupted, people that use languages that pollutes our ears all the time, from Monday to Friday, there is no environment of faith. We are not in any environment of faith at all. And hence, getting to the house of the Lord on a weekend really, really ignites our faith, really, really lifts up our faith. And the more we come into the house of God, the greater is the summation of our faith towards the Lord. That's the reason why the writer of Hebrews in, in chapter 10 verse 25 says, do not neglect the assembling of ourselves because there, when we assemble ourselves together, there is exhortation, there is encouragement. Weak hands grow strong in the presence of God. When your hands are weak, but when the power of God and the presence of God is visiting us in each and every one of our services, these feeble hands grow strength and it is lifted up. And it is lifted up. So therefore, we must always get ourselves into an environment of faith. And that's why we have created prayer altars. If there's ever one thing that I'm grateful for the six years as a pastor among you was prayer altars. My wife and I have benefited so much from the prayer altars that we have attended. We are so thankful to the Lord that in a prayer altar, there is the creation of an environment where we host His presence, where you can talk to God and God can talk back to you. We have developed such a great habit of reading God's scriptures every day in our lives. Every day, my wife and I will be audibly reading to each other. And we have been so lifted up in the Word. In fact, just two days ago, I told my wife, you know, I have such great, you know, uh, joy in anticipation that we will be having our Bible reading time. Just been in the presence of God, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, reading His Scriptures, where God speaks to us. In prayer, we talk to Him, but God must talk back to you. A dialogue is only established when God talks back to you, and the only way God talks back to you is from His Word. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Word, and the Holy Spirit will never speak anything that opposes what he himself has written in the Word. And that's the reason why. Don't just keep on asking. But in your asking, remember to open the Word and let him talk to you. Let him communicate to you. Let him speak 
to you. When was the last time you received a text from your loved one saying, I love you. The Bible is God's love letter to us. God reminding us that He loves us and that He shares and He opens His plan and His will to us. The Word of God is the counsel of God. His direction to us. Great encouragement is received from the Word of the Lord. Great encouragement. And so therefore, I want to challenge and encourage you to come to our prayer altars. Come and meet with God. Come to a place where there is a perfect environment in hosting His presence, where God freely visits His people and shares His mind, His will to us. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to know God's will in my life every day. I want Him to direct every step that I take. And the Bible says the steps of a good man is ordered by the Lord. How does He order our steps? He orders our steps through His directive will, the revealed word of the living God. I hope and I pray that we will see many of you turning up in the many prayer altars that we have throughout the week. Not only being in the direct environment and conducive atmosphere is important to release the working of miracles, but the erosion of faith is an inside job. The disciples asked Jesus after the boy has been healed, after the boy has been delivered, Jesus, how come we cannot bring healing and deliverance to this boy? How come? How come we can't do it, Lord? And Jesus gave a very simple answer, and yet it was the truth. You don't have enough faith. Does his disciples have faith? They have faith. But Jesus says, they don't have enough faith. If the disciples who were with Jesus day and night for three and a half years, when Jesus was mentoring them, when Jesus was discipling them, when Jesus was just pouring his heart into their lives, if the disciples did not have enough faith, how much more all of us who are here today, none of us have seen Jesus with our physical eyes. We only saw Jesus through our spiritual eyes. Is it true? If Jesus could say to the disciples, you don't have enough faith, obviously, indirectly, he's also saying to all of us here today, we don't have enough faith. So the erosion of faith is an inside job. It is something that we ourselves must square with. We must tackle this issue in our own lives. How come we don't have enough faith? 
Perhaps the best reason that I can give is because we are human. Because we are flesh and blood. Because we are carnal beings. Because at times, we do not live lives that are in tune with God. At times, we have misplaced priorities. Hey, let's admit, as human beings, we have misplaced priorities. Is it true? Sometimes, you know, our own needs, our own family's needs, our children's needs become more important. And we begin to see ourselves, we begin to see ourselves sitting on our own throne. We begin to order our own lives and we push God out of His throne. Where He should be in control, we push Him out and we become in control. When we are in control, that's where everything becomes out of control. Hello? It's not supposed to be a tongue twister. It's a truth. When we are always in control, that's where things in our lives become out of control. Jesus wants to sit on the driver's seat. He wants to take us to where he wants to bring us. But many times we make him our passenger. We take Jesus to places where he does not want to go. And let's also face the fact that sometimes it's our own lust that cause an erosion of our faith. And the Bible is very clear to even review the kind of lust, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When status is more, impro- more important, when success becomes the rat race that we indulge ourselves in, when pleasure seems to be more important, where feasting brings a lot of contentment to us. This last 40 days, would have been a great challenge to many of us. Is it true? Going through, you know, some fasts, you know, some of us have gone through the, the 40 days, you know, fasting one meal, some two meals, some I take my heads off, you know, you only went on water, you went on juices, you know, and, and, and praise God, you have your story to tell. How you subject your flesh to the control of the Holy Spirit and how now in your testimony to others, If I can do it, you can do it. If I can be successful in going through this fast, you can be successful in going through that fast as well. But nevertheless, our faith can be eroded by our lust. The lust that all of us have simply because of the human nature, because of the carnal nature that is within us. Unless and until we subject ourselves 
to the control of the Holy Spirit, the flesh will always win. The flesh will always be at war with our spirit. Romans chapter 7 tells us the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. But Romans chapter 8 reveals to us that there is victory when we surrender. Hello, surrender, not be in control. It is in surrender that we get back our control from the Lord. It is in giving up that we receive. Sometimes we thought that by giving up, we lose a lot. But we do not lose. In fact, we win. When you give up, you actually win. Hallelujah. Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Even as I was preparing this, as I was like, you know, in fact, I have prepared this, uh, you know, for quite some time now. But just about maybe last week or the week before, the Holy Spirit began to just breathe life into these precious words again and begin to reveal truth that one of the greatest erosion of faith are doubts. Are doubts. Doubts water down faith. Unbelief stuns faith. Skepticism opposes the activation of faith. I'm not getting this on the, on the, on the screen. Hello? Who, who, who is controlling up there? All right, here it is. <laughs> doubts water down faith. Unbelief stuns faith. Skepticism opposes the activation of faith. The Holy Spirit specifically led me to give me this revelation that many times in our lives we have allowed doubts and unbelief to take over our faith. Many times we are about to experience a breakthrough, but then we tell ourselves, maybe it is not today. Maybe my miracle is not for today. Another time. It is our unbelief that stuns our faith, that stops our faith from growing to the next level. It is our skepticism that opposes the activation of faith. Our skepticism. I will never believe that God can touch me and heal me. I will never believe that so and so will have these gifts of miracle and gifts of healings working in their life. I will never believe. My friends, when you declare that you will never believe, you will never believe long. What you confess is what you possess. And so, the Holy Spirit specifically directed my heart. I've never 
in the first place included in my message this subject of doubts and unbelief. But when I finally put a closure to this message, the Lord says, you have to speak and address unbelief and doubts. Friends, we have to kill, we have to kill this enemy that is at work inside us. Doubt is inside us and we have to remove it by injecting faith in our lives. Amen? We have to kill doubt. We have to kill this enemy once and for all so that we can see faith taking us to the next level. Hallelujah. Because we want to see healing as a normal activity in SIBKL. We want to see this happening in all our services. We want to see this happening every time when we congregate. Do you know that when I was serving with you as a district pastor in some of our, our prayer altars that we were holding, while we were reading the scriptures, people stopped us and say, Pastor, I've been healed. I said, oh, we haven't even prayed for healing. I've been healed simply because of the word of God that we have been reading. So, it will happen. It can happen. It will surely happen if we put faith in what we do. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we will only believe all things are possible, God will release that to us. The disciples were with Jesus and still he could say to them, you don't have enough faith. Can you imagine those who are closest to Jesus? How about us today? We need to come close to the Lord. We need to get into that environment and that atmosphere where faith is activated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, I dare want to believe God for your life this very evening for a miracle. But the only thing that will stop you from experiencing that miracle is your unbelief, is your doubts. And by the close of this service, which I'm going to do it in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to step out. Step out to believe God to release that miracle in your life. What have you been asking? What have you been believing? What have you been hoping? Don't allow the evil one rob you of the hope that you have in your life. Don't allow the evil one stop you from experiencing and having an encounter with Jesus Christ today. Many of us here in our midst, we are first-generation Christians. But there are some in our midst, you have a second generation. But remember to allow the second generation of Christians in your home 
to experience their own individual encounters with Jesus. Secondhand encounters don't work in the kingdom of God. Yeah? Secondhand encounters. All right? I always tell my children, what I have experienced God is my experience. But you cannot live your faith based on my experience of God. You have to find God. You have to experience God for your own. Because why? Because you will give an account to Jesus yourself when you meet Him face to face. And so my handed down experience to them is to encourage them that they will seek God themselves to find Him and to experience Him. Thanks be to God for the grace of God for my two granddaughters that were born. I have one granddaughter that is two years old and another who is one and a half months. I'm praying and believing that as I, when I'm there you know, to play with them, to take care of them, that I will pass on this faith. But I will also pray, oh Lord, that they will experience God themselves. This third generation that have been produced as a result of the blessings of God that has been passed on to them. Because our children cannot survive alone on our faith. And they must experience faith for themselves. Hallelujah. 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 I trust that you have opened your heart to receive the word of faith. To receive this precious word that God wants to speak to you today. You may not be one that is here in our midst that is in need of healing. But faith is needed not just for healing but for every other situations and circumstances of our life as well. May you walk away from this auditorium this evening having an uplifting of your faith today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads as we prepare to act upon the Word. God wants us to act upon His Word, church. Every time when God sends forth His Word, He wants His people to respond to Him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Even as you seek God, even as you bow your heads and close your eyes, as you seek the Lord, as you talk to Him, let the Holy Spirit talk back to you even right now. Let the Holy Spirit begin to whisper to you right now. Begin to direct your hearts to Him even right now. Hallelujah. 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 There is enough faith in the house enough faith in the house this evening to ignite a miracle if only you will believe thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus every head is bowed every eyes closed perhaps let me first address those of you who are here you are not yet a Christian 
You have heard about this Jesus. But you are here because there is some element of faith that has drawn you here. And this evening, this, I hope and I pray that this is not just what you would hear, but that you would experience Him yourself, His goodness in your life. Hallelujah. No one looking around. If you are here, you have not yet received Jesus as your personal Saviour. But you are saying to me, Pastor, what you have spoken has have spoke to my heart. I want to experience Jesus myself. I want to have an encounter with Him right now. Hallelujah. If you are that person, very quickly, I'm going to ask you to raise that right hand just to show to me that you are in need of Jesus right now and that you want Him in, in your life. You want to receive Him as your Lord and Saviour so that your miracle can begin, so that your miracle can start even right now. Is there one person, very quickly, all across this auditorium, is there one person that will say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to experience this Jesus in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there one person? God is speaking to you, has spoken to you, and you want to experience Him. You don't want a second-hand faith, but you want a first-hand faith. You want a first-hand experience of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If there is none, then I believe. I trust that all of us are believers. And right now, I just want to address you. There are one thing. Faith in your life. God has so directed, the Holy Spirit has so directed my heart to specifically address the issue of unbelief, the issue of doubts. And you're saying to me, Pastor, help my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my doubts. Many times I'm at a point of almost receiving a touch. But my doubts and my unbelief has robbed me of that touch. I want God to help me even right now. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for my unbelief. Pray for my doubts that today God will replace it with faith in my heart. If you're that person, will you also kindly raise that right hand and I want to pray with you and for you right now. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, yes. All over this place. All over this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may put it down. I've seen your hands. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for addressing and speaking to these brothers and sisters about unbelief and about doubts, dear Lord. Hallelujah. Can I ask you right now to stand to your feet as the worship team leads us in this song? And as the song is being sung,
I would like to invite those of you that have raised your hand I want you to just come in obedience to the Lord in obedience to what God has spoken that you want to deal with doubts once and for all you want to kill this enemy of doubts and unbelief in your life so that God can move you to experience this miracle with sin me I give you praise come just come just come even as the Holy Spirit spoke to your hearts in you Lord I give you my heart give you my soul live for you alone every breath that I take every moment I'm awake Lord have your way in me Lord I give you my heart I give you my soul live for you alone every breath that I take every moment I'm awake Lord have your way in me this is my desire thank you Lord this is my desire to honor you Lord in all my heart I worship you tell leaders if you are in among us where you can come and assist in the praying in the altar please Hallelujah. I give you praise. God and I adore is in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, God is so good. He always knows what we are lack of. He never keeps us, keep us in the church. 
He says, if anyone lack of faith, ask of God, and He will give us generously. God marvel and is delighted when we have faith in Him. How much more when you ask of Him, the Lord, I need faith. And the Bible affirms, assures that He will give you generously. He never holds back. He will never hold back. And when you ask of Him, He will take delight and grant the desires of our heart that you will move to the new level of love for Jesus, to the new level of trusting Him, to the new level of breakthrough in your life that you will say, God, I can't, but you can. Lord, it looks impossible to you, but it's all possible to you, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Let's just raise our hand and just ask of the Lord. Just wherever you are, just ask of the Lord. Increase in me, Lord. Increase in me, Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord, may you increase my capacity. May you expand me, Lord. May you extend my cause, God. The Lord, I can, O Lord, move together with you. Not my will, but yours be done. And I will see, hallelujah, opening, opening of faith that's coming in to trust in you totally. I'm, I'm going to see miracles happening in my life because of the trust that I can put in you. If there is one thing, if there's one thing that you're asking God of right now, I want you to believe that. Just one thing that you're asking of God to trust and believe as you ask of God right now. Ask of God right now. What is this one thing that's in your heart? Let your faith arise to believe this one thing that is going to be accomplished in your life today, tomorrow, and it will surely come. It will surely come. Just ask of Him in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Father, we are so thankful, God, that we can come into your presence, that you want the Lord to increase the faith we have in you. Because of God, you want us to know you. That as we know you and know of your love, confidence as a child of God will increase in us that we can step on confidently for your glory. That we will move on in life to encounter that meaningful, abundant life that you have promised. So I pray for everyone here that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they will answer God that in Jesus' name, whatever they have asked, Jesus, you said, it shall be given. As they seek a God, they will find. And as they knock, Lord, you will open to them, God. So I pray as they continue to cultivate that trust and faith to increase in them, Lord, I pray that, Lord, their life as they move and journey with you will be exciting. And Lord, will be every day something to thank you for, God, because you are good. 
and your mercies endures forever in this life here. Even as we dismiss from here, Lord, we want to pray, God, for your mercies of the ironic blessings to go with us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's radiant smile overshine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and grant you His shalom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.